Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? You are listening to Waypoint Radio. It is February 27th, 2018, and before February slipped away, we needed to sneak in a quick Waypoint 101 about something uh, that isn't a video game at all, but something that we've all been pretty excited about here, uh, and that is Black Panther, the latest Marvel film uh, that has, I think been very well received um thankfully uh and has been very good it was very good and i think we've all seen it at this point and we all want to uh to talk about it a bit i'm austin walker joining me today danielle rienda hi hello patrick klepek we didn't want to do one for suicide squad i kept pitching it no one <laughs> i know you're no a big one dc talk fan about suicides the like, squad pa- suicide and they're back they're back they're back they're back uh <laughs> and uh i guess i think okay so if danielle is marvel and and patrick is dc oh we why know I, what i am why what am you, i dc because you were just defending suicide squad what uh who, <laughs> That's, who, are, mm, okay. who are you rob what are Shit. you well then i have to be image you have to that, be that was my thought i, yeah, I knew enough you to have that in my mind <laughs> yeah independent you know young upstart you know uh, marvel you uh because you're consistent and real. You yeah. keep it real, you know? You don't hide behind a mask like all those DC God characters. Exactly. DC, you weak. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're going to just get flooded with oh, so no. much anger. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so, where do we want to start with this thing? I think... So, Danielle, uh, you saw it first. Uh, and then, then yeah. I caught it along with the rest of... With shout-outs to, to Danica, Natalie, and Joel, who went to go see it with me. Uh, Vice did a thing where they're like, oh, we have 150 free tickets, 130 free tickets to the first 130 people who reply to this email. And we, we all managed to get in there in time. Um, and then the last couple of weeks, uh, Patrick, you and you and I Rob was there. Also, day, oh, hey, you hey, were there hey, day hey, one. Hey, were you there day I one? I saw before all y'all. I saw it opening night, 8 p.m. Thursday. No, I saw it. I like, saw it on Thursday. Yeah, okay. I was not. I was not. Sh- Let's not argue over who's woke, who's so woke that they I saw uh, it Thursday at seven. So first, therefore, please. I'm going to say I'm it was uh, I don't make a point to see many movies these days. Yes. Like, yes. Uh, 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 one, I, I am a huge Marvel fan. I've seen like pretty much the vast majority of those like opening night. And this one just felt like I very, you know, we talk about, you know, like wanting to like, when we talk about a game, stuff like, like wanting to see something, be part of the conversation. Like this is not one that like, whatever my participation in it was or wasn't like, it just felt like a moment in a way that's like, okay, like I want to be there and I wanted to be there for the arc of the conversation too, which is like a critical part of like how that kind of stuff plays out in the the weeks after something uh, is released. Yeah, totally. Um, so, so we just want to start with general thoughts here. Do you want to just kind of like, did we all leave it feeling pretty good? Hey, wait, let me, I have a question. Sure. Uh, 
prior to seeing this, Good question. maybe this is prior to seeing Civil War, possibly because that's you know the introduction of Black Panther into the at least into the cinematic side. Like, did I like? I, Part of the reason I've gotten really into Marvel movies is because, like, I know very little about comics outside of, like, like Batman and Superman. And then, like, I've just enjoyed being introduced to, like, all sorts of, like, weird characters while watching the mm-hmm. Marvel movies. So, like, I, like, if you had asked me, like, I might have been able to say, like, I've heard of Black Panther, <laughs> I think. But, like, I couldn't have told you in the same way that I couldn't have told you anything about, like, Ant-Man. And so I'm I'm curious for everyone else, like, like prior to, like, the, the cinematic version, like, did anyone... Is it like I don't think any of us here is like super comic people. I grew like, up really comicsy and okay. and was super comicsy in college, and that's when I read my Black Panther. Right, that's gotcha. when I read uh, like like the the Killmonger run. That was the that was Chris Chris Priest Christopher Priest, who's a fantastic comics writer. He's the um, one that I've always heard like, hey, you saw that movie? You want to go read some Black Panther? Go, you want to go read the Christopher Priest one? Yes, that is a hundred percent true. Um, I read the first of Coates's run and like never found the time to do the rest because that's what. My life got real busy, um, and then and then I've read I've I've always liked Black Panther as a character in Marvel in general. Uh, he pops up now and then uh, in the wider world, obviously, right? Like Wakanda is pretty important, uh, and he is a brilliant. He's like you know he's in the kind of the 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 scale of of character that someone like Tony Stark is like. Um, and so there's actually been a number of really great situations where he has been like you know what fuck all of you rich white people who are all so <laughs> smart like you don't know what you're getting into um one of my favorite bits is is that he uh there's a bit in in i want to say that this is back in after civil war in the comics um where the the group so after, of sorry to to yes to clarify after civil war in the comics as in, like, after the movie Civil War in the comics or after Civil no, no, War no, no. happened no. in the, the comics? No, 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 the original event of Civil War that happened okay. in the comics, which is, like, such okay. a weird thing because Civil War in the comics happens during the Bush era and is very much uh, talking about government power in that context. Gotcha. Um, it's about, you know, it's about, like, a black site prison and about about registering people, right? And so yeah, yeah. in the context of the the wars in the Middle East, uh, in, in the context of the Bush presidency, that story plays out so so much differently than it did when it came out under Obama at the time as a film. Um, and I uh, mixed feelings about a lot of that stuff. Uh, but at the time there was this yeah. group in the fiction, uh, actually this was maybe either just before, or just during civil war called the Illuminati, um, which was like Tony Stark, um, Dr. Strange, Reed Richards, professor X, the Submariner, and I want to say Black Bolt, who is in, oh, in the I, Inhumans. I think I've seen like a, an image from like a particular, like a very particular excerpt from this like line of comics. Yeah, where, like, Black Panther, like T'Challa, has like a lot of really good fucking like fuck you lines. Yes, in, that's exactly in this, in this arc. <laughs> yeah, and that's like one of my favorite bits. It's why I'm happy that he's in the MCU. It's like this is the group that decided, all right, the Hulk is too dangerous. We got to put him into outer space because he's too dangerous. And Black Panther's like, y'all suck. Basically, it's like <laughs> your group, you're like leaning. You're going to become the sorts of villains that like you say that you are not here, you know, are here to stop basically, uh, and puts everybody in their place and then walks away from the table and like says basically like I'm not interested in this sort of power, right? Uh, and that is is has always been the one of the big sticking sticking not sticking points, but one of the big images that has stayed with me has been that my favorite Black Panther stories are about what the responsibility not just like what with great power comes with great responsibility, but the notion that power itself, that authority itself is a weapon um and that 
he is concerned with that even as he knows he must use it um and that's like a slightly different thing than like i'm tough so i have a responsibility to help people which is kind of the spider-man version of that story right um and and something that um the the movie is very much in dialogue with is that idea of authority how it is wielded uh, where does it derive from is very much sort of what is at the center of the coats run right uh which is really like it's it's called Black Panther, but really, like, it is about Wakanda. It, like, it is about a place and a people in a way that, like, a lot of other comics runs are not. Uh, a lot of it is, uh, you know, T'Challa coming to terms with what it means to be a king, uh, you know, in, in this era, right? Like, what right. is owed to subjects? What do subjects owe their ruler? Yep. Uh, wh- like, but, but really, what it, what it returns to again and again is this idea of, like, where where does power come from? How should it be wielded? When should it be used? And how should it be distributed among people whose loyalties are ostensibly to maybe the, the state or the king, but there are places where those diverge. Right. And so that's very much yeah. what is the what the coats run is about. Uh is is this question are these are these questions of like how does T'Challa relate to his work right Right. how like what understanding does he bring to it um i i found the panels that i was talking about i just want to read these briefly as like this has got to be the one that i have in my head it must be so it's like (laughs) all of these other super powerful you know uh, uh members of the marvel universe sitting around a table and Black Panther just, like, gets up and begins to leave, and Tony is like, T'Challa, and Black Panther, T'Challa says, I'm telling you now, end this. Walk away from this table and go home. There was a reason, this was after, this was actually after Secret Invasion, in which Scrolls uh, kind of took the place of a bunch of people and made Earth fight itself. Uh, there was a reason the Scrolls had such an easy time trying to turn the world against its heroes, because deep down, everyone knows that this could happen, and now it has. You just decided all by yourselves that you are the Earth's protectors, and that you, and only you, not your teammates or your family, are trustworthy enough to include in the process. What happens when you disagree? When one of these Earth-changing moments finds you all at odds with each other here in a secret meeting? What happens then? Walk away now. And then he does. And it's like, that's actually one of my favorite things about the film is that he's constantly, he's never alone in terms of what decisions he's making, right? Like, one of the strongest things about Black Panther as a movie for me is its ensemble cast, uh, ranging from the people who are very close to him, uh, his his family, his trusted, his most trusted advisors, to just the, the, the broader sense of community or, that is at stake, right? Like, the thing that is at stake is, is the ruler of Wakanda someone who makes decisions, you know, on their own, or is it someone who takes advice, someone who tries to find a compromise among various factions, and who who recognizes that that the needs of part of his people are not always the needs uh, that that you know are are the needs shared by everybody else, and you kind of have to balance those things, uh, and that's mostly just delivered through great writing and incredible performance, I think. Yeah. And I think part of what's interesting in that uh, that like little excerpt from the comic that also is like functions a lot in the film is like the like the great irony of like I'm okay sorry DC fans like the great irony of like what like Zack Snyder attempted to do like in a series of films was like he was like very forward in saying like I want to do a deconstruction of what it means to be a superhero and like part mm-hmm. of what Black Panther seems to function both uh, oftentimes in the comics and what I think the movie like functions not necessarily as this most forward facing. Um, 
uh, point, but one that like it underscores is like acting as like like a deconstruction of the superhero myth and like what it means to be a superhero. Like when you have like a uh, someone like T'Challa, and it actually functions. A- as like a better, more interesting critique and deconstruction of that idea, even if that's not necessarily what it's like presenting forward facing as like right. the quote unquote point of the film. Right. Um, Danielle, had you had any Black Panther experience prior to this or, or, or didn't or nah? Uh, just here and there. The thing is, I haven't uh, I haven't had much comic experience in my life. And uh, most of my exposure to a lot of like traditional comic stuff is through movies. So I didn't really, right, right. Uh, you know, I had like, I think I read some Ninja Turtles comics when I was a little kid and then started <laughs> reading like Saga and other image comics. And I really like a lot sure, of like, sure. you know, weirder indie comics. I like Lumberjanes and I like Saga. Not that that's uh-huh. like super weird, but you know what I mean? Uh, so it's a good. lot People of should... this. What's that? Sorry. People should read Saga. It's dope. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, so a lot of sort of big superhero stuff uh, kind of falls flat for me. Like, it feels very, very broad in a lot of ways. I think I've said before that, like, you know, watching Captain America, the first movie, I fell asleep twice. The, even the, even the sort of uh, a lot of the Marvel movies where people talk about, like, being their favorite. I Like, I really liked the first Thor. I thought it was really funny. Because it kind of dug mm-hmm. into how just funny and goofy it was. But for the most part, a lot of this stuff falls super, super flat for me. Uh, but both Wonder Woman and Black Panther, not to say that they're the same thing. They're not in any way the same thing. Those are kind of like two, you know, superhero movies that actually really hit for me and actually felt like, oh, this is actually a good movie as well right. as a superhero movie. So that that helped uh, quite a bit, I think. Yeah, you came you came back onto our Discord after seeing it, and we're just like, everyone has to go see this movie right away. <laughs> yep. So I remember I was like, okay, I'll do, I'll do it. I, that that is what upgraded it from like, okay, I'll do it once the theaters get slow to like, all right, I'm gonna go do it right away. Actually, <laughs> but I think so, it's curious like what you're how you're responding to the to the movies, Danielle, because I think like I'm also like you, someone that doesn't have a huge background in comics, but when I watch the ones that like people end up like really. Responding to her, like, saying, like, oh, like, this, like, elevates beyond, like, just being a pretty good comic movie, right? Like, I think people yeah. often point to, like, this, like, Captain America movie, like, The Winter Soldier, which, like, does, like, put itself in and, like, asking questions about, like, government and surveillance. But, like, like compared to, like, I think what Black Panther <laughs> attempts to do, like, in terms of, like, the questions it asks, like, in terms of, like, elevating its, like elevating itself beyond like it's like the low bar that we set for like movies where like superheroes punch each other. Um, (laughs) I'm not surprised like this is one that you responded to because I think it is one that like goes beyond those like basic gut instincts of like what these films should be. And like, it like asks like broad, like what do you agree with the answers the movie comes to? Like the questions it asks along the way in the function. And I think that's, I'm certainly something we'll probably get into about like what the answers are that like the Black Panther arrives at and various questions that it invokes. But like, I, I think part of the reason that, like, you, I have to imagine you had that response is the response a lot of people were having was, like, oh, shit, like, it asked some, like, really profound questions wrapped up in, like, a big budget blockbuster um, in a way that, like, however you, like, fall on that stuff, I, I think there's a certain level of appreciation that it asked the questions at all and exposed those yeah. questions to an audience that largely probably wouldn't engage with them. And right. actually asks them, as opposed to yeah. even even in Winter Soldier, which everybody and has some of, answers. But actually, yes. ha- like like, yes. like has some like has that's why I, that's why I say like whatever you th- like think of the game, the movies like politics or where it ends on its politics. Yes. Like like even like, even like the Winter Soldier, it like it soaks in a world like because the Winter Soldier is probably the closest that uh, uh, the, the the other Marvel films like get into the playing into sort of like a political space. Like it asks some questions, but doesn't. 
it doesn't have an answer. Like, it just uses politics right. as a way to wrap itself in a context. And, like, that's part of what, like, makes that movie pretty good. But, like, I, Black Panther has weight that Winter Soldier does not because yeah. Black Panther, not it raises the question and then says something about it and get delivering an answer. I'm not necessarily saying that answer is necessarily Ryan Coogler's answer, right? Like, he's right. just providing right. an answer in the context of this universe and these characters. Uh, but I think... By doing so, it, it goes to much greater lengths in, quote-unquote, saying something because it actually tries to land on something as opposed to just, well, wasn't that interesting that it asked what <laughs> yeah. we should, we should yeah. think about I, that more I actually, often. So I think there's yeah. like – I think there's actually kind of two political answers in the movie uh, in, in a weird way. Um, and one is not in the movie so much as it is the movie, right? And there's overlap here. But but so I, let's uh, maybe we should set up because I'm, I'm sure some people are listening yeah. who have not yet seen this movie. Um, the core conflict of this film is that uh, soon after we're going to spoil, right? We're going to yeah, we're, we're, we're going all the way. Huge spoilers, a hundred percent. Okay. So going into this film, uh, uh, T'Challa's father, the former Black Panther, the former King of Wakanda, died in a in a, a bombing in a previous film that was in that was in Winter Soldier, Civil right? War. Was that in Civil War? That was in Civil, Civil War. War. Yeah, um, and uh, T'Challa has you know is is coming home to to be coronated and step into the his his rightful place as, as king. Uh, there you know there's a challenger. He over he beats the first challenger. Uh, he he kind of cements his position, and as his first act, he is going to uh, to capture this guy Claw, who years ago um, went to or came to Wakanda and stole a bunch of vibranium and killed you know a number of people. Um, while doing that, he encounters uh, someone named Eric Killmonger, uh, who is played by Michael B. Jordan, fantastically. Um, oh, yes. And in the events that follow, what, what comes to be revealed is that Killmonger uh, is actually cousin to T'Challa, is is his, his uncle's son, uh, and that his uncle had left Wakanda, moved to the United States as part of this war dog program, which is the, the kind of like uh, Wakanda, you know, secret agents society, secret uh, kind of like spies, right? Um, and while in America, T'Challa's uncle realized that black folks across the world were oppressed, were marginalized, were put in positions that were so that so this is also contextualized in early 90s like Oakland specifically um which is really interesting uh especially given Kugler's own history right um and uh and and says you know what Wakanda has a responsibility to step outside of its borders and go and help people help people of color around the world to to arm them with super weapons with weapons filled with the special uh, power of vibranium to to achieve uh, a more equal society and having known this having learned this uh the the previous black panther t'challa's father comes and kills his uncle uh orphaning his his son uh the, the previous black panther's nephew uh, killmonger who then uh, kind of raises himself up pulls himself up by the bootstraps demands yeah. justice goes off becomes a mercenary and a soldier scars his flesh <laughs> once for each kill he gets um and and sets his sights on the throne uh, and then the core conflict ends up being he shows up he he takes over the throne, and the question ends up being: What is Wakanda's responsibility for the rest of the world? How, if there was, you know, there there is no Wakanda, as as the alt right is so keen to tell us all, um, which as if they just did not get the point of this fucking movie in any way. <laughs> um, there is no Wakanda, but had there been, 
Uh, and, and if you now are someone in a position of power, if you are a person of color or someone in the margins who has somehow managed to have power, to what degree is it your responsibility to intercede? And to what degree would it have been a sin or has it been a sin to have looked the other way, right? Like Wakanda did not stop. They don't say these words, but Wakanda did not stop the slave trade. Well, there's a there's in the intro when they sort of set up Wakanda and you're like, you know, why vibranium exists and why they're able mm-hmm. to like be be separatists from the rest of the world. Like, there's a montage in which there are allusions to various conflicts that Wakanda, like, you know, you know, very implicitly did yes. ignored, and like that is both like there's you know there's a rolling tank, but there's also like people being put in bondage. Like the slave right. trade was shown explicitly in it. Like, like that was. I wish Killmonger uh, I saw, had said it is one of those things. I, do you know yes, what I mean? I, I yeah. you know, this is a complete I get speculation. I, I, you know, there's a world where you can imagine like the first draft of this movie is yeah, yeah, like yeah. a lot more explicit. And then it's like sanding it is maybe uh, not necessarily, but like, you know, there's a way of like doing illusions, like finding your way, picking your battles on like where you're going to yeah, bring this stuff totally. up. Like, you know, do you do that in the beginning of the movie? Uh, when you want to like, you always talk about like the slave trade, or you do that at the end once you've like, you know, with Killmonger's yeah. final line and you've yeah. built up some momentum. But like the mo- the movie opens in the first minute or so, being like, "Yo, there's an imagery of slavery," like, right. and that that was at least where I got a sense early on, like, "Oh, okay, like this is where you're setting up the stakes of Wakanda in a way that um, is both the outer conflict and the inner conflict of." Of its own people. Totally, totally. And, well, and so then, here's where I say there are two politics to this film, I think. The first is this notion of um, compromise with, with the revolutionary spirit, right? Um, yes, we have to pull down our borders, because uh, they fight, uh, and in the end, uh, Black Panther, T'Challa, kills Killmonger, um, uh, stabbing him in the heart, with a, or the, in the chest with a, with a dagger, wounding him severely i guess he's he doesn't kill him technically takes him to see the sunset look at over how beautiful wakanda is offers to heal him says hey we can take you downstairs and heal you um and killmonger removes the dagger uh and bleeds out instantly kind of dies instantly um saying i I would rather i would rather die a free man than live a slave and uh which which good and asks to be buried in the ocean yeah. Where he can be with those who threw themselves from slave ships because yes. they knew that death was preferable to slavery. Yes. Which I think is a way of giving that character a form of victory, but it also leaves it, it a sucks, really dude. I uncomfortable. Hate it. Mm. I hate it for material reasons. Michael B. Jordan should be in more Marvel movies. Loki yeah. gets to yeah. live. Like, white folks get to live in those movies. And those villains are only as good as their performances. And that's that's part of why you don't get rid of a Loki. Michael B. Jordan did so well in this film. And I understand that there that it does give him a sort of a sort of victory here. But it also gives an alibi. It forces T'Challa not to have to listen to Killmonger push him to be more radical. Well, but that's the thing, though. I think there, there's an implicit like what Killmonger has seen what his father saw is something that doesn't actually brook a whole lot of compromise there is no room for the incrementalism that would absolutely follow Killmonger and T'Challa making peace T'Challa would be going forward with well we must proceed we will Mm -hmm. we will go forth in the world and improve it but slowly and without you know without violence without too much upheaval and can kill like is a character like Killmonger philosophically ever going to be okay with that? Should he ever be okay with no, that? No, and he should be on screen doing that. Like, that's firmly what I believe is like, yeah. th- th- again, this is where I say it's an alibi. Now you don't have to write the scene in the next movie where he is like pushing against that. Um, and 
that is what actually happens to, to radicals more often than not, right? Um, and, and instead, what we do get is the incrementalism. What we do get at the end, and oh, this is where I that. think Patrick is right, uh, totally worse than that. What we get uh, is what Patrick said, which is at least an answer, right? Which is like, they ask the question, and then T'Challa's answer, at least, uh, No, I'm is, sorry, I, I need to say that, because this is, I'm, I was fucking seething. All right, go for it. Fucking all thing. you. <laughs> okay. So the movie ends, and T'Challa's sort of had his, like, wow, I never thought about it like this, but maybe we do <laughs> owe something to the wider world and need to go forth into it and break cover, uh, basically, and and share Wakanda's wealth and uh, technology. Uh, they emphasize that a lot. It's, it's technology with the world. Uh, and he's going to start by going to what is sort of, I think, Meant to be interpreted as like low income or public assistance housing oh, in Brooklyn. In, 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 in Oakland. Oakland. It's the same housing that Killmonger is from. It's the housing that his uncle was killed. Yeah, yeah, it's the same apartment yeah. complex. Yeah, so it's where we, where we saw them at the start. He shows up and he reveals to his sister that he bought the building and he bought all the surrounding buildings. He bought the whole neighborhood. Uh-huh. And what's it all going to become? A Wakandan outreach center with a focus on technology. Stem centers, baby. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and what's going to happen to the people who live there? What happens to the neighborhood? Fuck that. The important thing is we tear down these these negative symbols mm-hmm. where, where people lived and maybe weren't entirely negative for – like wasn't as simple as negative. Like, right. Like those kids are playing basketball outside. Do you know what I mean? Like right. what's, one thing that I actually love about this film is that – I love a lot about this film. I want to be clear that this, this diatribe I have about the ending and about – it's one of the, the two answers I think it gives is, is not the only – aren't the only feelings I have about this. Um, but one of the things I think it does well is like it shows like, – like inner city, quote unquote, black America. And it isn't framed as being a terrible place. Like it's kids playing basketball. It's a, it's you a don't really, hear a poli- you don't hear police right. sirens in the background, which is you can hundred percent right. yes. see like, like a 99% of the interpretations of the exact same scene yes. in other hands, like being like, right. like some guy outside. running down the street. Yeah. There's a gar- garbage can is on fire. Cypress yes. Hill is blasting yes. somewhere. Exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Rob, the, that's it, right? That's his answer. Is is we open up schools and like I and possibly think... even displace existing communities. <laughs> right. Like that's right. the other fucked up part of this. Is like that's our solution. It's especially. And... Oh, go sorry. Ahead. No, no. Go I was going to say, uh, especially in Oakland in 2018, where <laughs> I don't even know if you can find public assisted housing in Oakland because everybody who is middle class in San Francisco now lives in Oakland, and everybody right. who's in Oakland now lives in Richmond. So. Maybe they should have set this in Richmond. I don't know. <laughs> so the thing, the thing here is that like this is this is one answer that is proposed inside of of marginalized communities, especially the black community. Is like, hey, once you get it, you bring it back, right? Like if you if you make it out, if you manage to make some money, figure out how to give back to the community. Um, and I don't. I think that, that that partially falls so flat for me because the the. Partially because of the displacement that Rob talked about, but also because it suggests that the thing that is missing from the from from the American so-called meritocracy is is merit. It's like, oh, if only the inner city kids all knew how to code, that would equal <laughs> things out. Um, and it's not that that's not the thing. Like we we can you can look at numbers, at statistics of what college educated black folks make versus college educated white folks. You can look at the value of housing uh, in neighborhoods. You can look at uh, what what the wealth among among families looks like. There are all of these statistics that show 
that that you know having act having education having access to education while it absolutely can help you on the individual level does not actually fix systemic inequality uh at, at any sort of uh rate that you would think of as being um impressive and and that is frustrating it's frustrating that T'Challa's answer was I'm going to go open Wakandan learning centers um but I think there is the second lesson and it's way more material which is this movie is filled with incredible black folks who all got paid a lot of money uh, <laughs> to tell a story about black people interacting with each other, fighting each other, but still fundamentally like having a a um, having a real debate about what is to be done about the state of things uh, and being warm on the screen in a way like the relationships between T'Challa and Shuri um, between uh, uh, all of the women in the film, first of all, are, inc are incredible yeah. and their relationships together. But things like the handshake and the, and the Wakanda like arm cross and the different feel, ways we see it performed yes, in context yes. is so, is, it's so, it was, I like that stuff was powerful to me because it was so familiar and so warm. And so like, like, Oh shit. Right. Like, and it's a Marvel movie. Like, not just I, there have been black filmmakers for as long as there have been have been films, but but it was so important for me to see that just like in the middle of high super CG ridiculous Q laboratory. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, and it was so 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 natural, and it felt so real. And that to me is also sort of an answer, right? Like. Wakanda can't only make learning centers. Wakanda also has to start making movies. Wakanda has to also start kind of entering the public sphere and changing the way that the world thinks about blackness. Um, and maybe that's a step in that direction, but it's, but it's, uh, and that's also a long fight. And that's also not a light switch to, for, towards, you know, flipping anything. I still think that to some degree, you have to have material action, you know, in the, in the form of, of protests, in the form of, of real physical pushback. Um, but I th I'm like with Patrick that I'm happy that these questions were engaged with, not just brought up as background. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, and I think, and I think it, it, oh, go ahead, Rob. No, and I think one of the things that makes this work well here is we're talking about that tendency for Marvel movies to be a bit broad. And I think what separates this from a, a, something like Winter Soldier is, well, Winter Soldier has this terrible like lead anchor that is Hydra. Uh, and it ends up sort of asking all these like important questions, but then sort of offloading it onto this ridiculous like enemy organization. And it Whoops, ends up falling. It's Nazis really... again. Yeah, like... yeah it, it ends up falling <laughs> super, super flat as sort of a metaphor for uh, you know the surveillance state and the war on terror. Where this succeeds is that a lot of its characters, in addition to being sort of like. There are good actors portraying these characters, but the characters themselves in a lot of ways are also sort of presenting different worldviews. The, the characters are their worldviews to an extent, right? So you have uh, one of T'Challa's uh, friends is um, – oh, gosh. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, but, oh, yeah. Um, uh, Wakabi. Yeah, Wakabi, Wakabi yeah. is the, is the guy's yeah. name. So yeah, he's yeah. like his, his name. like military chief of staff, and he's sort of a – utopian imperialist in some mm -hmm. ways like right at yep. the start he's already on board with like wakanda has the means it has the resources the world is disordered just give me the word and yeah. i will build an empire of liberation and order for you yeah and t'challa sort of trying to rein that in 
And then you have other characters uh, like uh, someone who pretty much steals the film, uh, Winston Duke's uh, Mabaku. Yeah. Oh my uh, God, Mabaku oh, is yeah. so good. It'll- and you should go. You should get like a side note. Like go look up the history of that character yep. because like he's based on um, uh, a character called Manape with like a very bad, very racist history in in the in the Black Panther comic arcs and uh, part of what I think was really impressive what Ryan Coogler did was to rather than like I listened to an interview with like uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates talking about his run and like how he looked at various racist parts of the Black Panther universe and said nah we're gonna put this to the side we're just we're just gonna you know make our own way through this right. and actually Ryan Coogler said it's, and there's a valid totally valid options for how to address those those uh, like deeply problematic parts of, of Black Panther's history but instead Ryan Coogler said like well, like, how do we, like, take ownership of this, like, reshape it into something that is interesting? Um, um, and obviously, one, not calling it man-ape is a, is a good way to start. Big help, yeah. <laughs> but, but also not yeah. getting rid of the ape imagery, right? Like, no. And in fact, I believe, from, from a, th- a thread that I was reading pretty recently, th- one of the weird things is, like, Wakanda, because Wakanda exists in a fictional place in, in, in Africa, I think Eastern Africa is, is from the map, if I recall, um... They don't have. There is no history of mythology inside of Wakanda in this film, right? Like the Black Panther, the the part, the the tribe of that the Black Panther comes from, worships Bast, the Egyptian goddess, uh, and Mbaku. I think the the ape god that he names is a um, is a. Indian is a Hindu Hindu, god, right? Um, Which is really interesting. I forget. I I think I saw Siobhan Bhatt talking about this on Twitter. um, I can't quite remember the name of the the god. Do you remember, Rob? Oh, um, Hanum. uh, Hanuman. Hanuman. Yeah. Uh, I think that's super interesting. It's like, okay, we're still going to have the ape imagery. We're still going to have this, like, giant castle, this giant fortress with an ape holding it up in the mountains, which is rad as hell. Um, But we're going to ground it in, in a specific you know, it's a name drop, so it's not maybe grounded as too strong. But hey, look, there are people in the world who who have looked at apes as deities, and so like let's let's see if there is a way to reconfigure this, to rehabilitate it in some way that recognizes its history, but also lets an actor like Winston Duke just knock it out of the fucking park he through is, sheer screen presence alone. Like it reminded me so much of like what I enjoy about good Tom Hardy performances. Mm. Just the like you feel like a character from a completely different movie has briefly intersected with the movie you're watching mm-hmm. and is just like enjoying watching the confusion and chaos <laughs> he sows with the other performances and actors yeah. and then and then disappears but but he's sort of there as this like representative of well even in these in a utopia like uh, Wakanda there are still people who feel disenfranchised or divorced from the center right. of power and there is no effort made or no outreach made to try to include them in political life, in the the sharing and wielding of power. And how do you sort of bridge those gaps and what how how do you even make your appeal uh to to people like that? Like late in the movie, like T'Challa is very much making sort of a an appeal to like Pan Africanism. Yeah. Uh to Mbaku. Yeah. And it's and Mbaku sort of rightly calls him on how incredibly self serving it is at this moment when there's mm-hmm. an outside threat. To then suddenly come around to this idea that, like, you know, really, the Jabari clan are just like us. Uh, And that's the first they're hearing of it. Yeah. But nevertheless, there's something to that. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, yeah, that's... I, I love how it contends with that. Danielle, what were you going to say? Yeah. I was going to say, even and, and on a on a very sort of real and enjoyable level, he also absolutely steals uh, one of the funniest scenes. I mean, he and Shuri both have some of the like straight up funniest lines yeah. in the movie as well, especially when he's sort of, um, you know, when uh, Martin Freeman, I guess his name is Everett, whatever. The, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Crappy, skinny the, white guy. The CAA, the CAA guy. Yeah, CAA yeah. dude um, kind of comes in uh, with, you know, royalty, uh, basically, uh, like uh Ramonda and uh, Nakia mm-hmm. and he's all like whoa explaining things and uh he, he just sort of shuts him down uh he kind of tells him like well, don't and then <laughs> he goes me. in with yep. the the greatest line ever of like I'm gonna feed you to my children and then he starts cracking up and he's just like playing yeah. off of the racist stereotype and then cracks up and is like we're vegetarians it's just it's such a wonderful <laughs> wonderful moment that is like god it got like the greatest roar of laughter in my in my audience and it was oh my god it was very good it was very good (laughs) there's Um, that tweet going around that uh, i really enjoyed that was like uh as a white person i really enjoyed uh being represented in black panther as the the person in the background that just wants to help out when he's asked or needed yeah i'm just gonna let me shout out something real quick though to t'challa yo uh quick word of advice my king um don't fucking work with the cia going forward don't do it i wonder i mm, that is one of the like the in terms of a a political fault of the movie that i thought it could have addressed Mm -hmm. even it by nodding at it would have been like I understand like the world that Black Panther steps into as like the nineteenth film in <laughs> yes. you know the Marvel universe. Like there are, are certain like parts of the world building that Black Panther like just has to deal with that are that are constructs of, of what it's walking into. But it seemed like given the all the other nods like the and the imagery that the movie touches on, there could have been at least a joke and a side yeah. something that sort of recognized like the hypocrisy of like an in like an in universe um, just, uh, world of Wakanda, like immediately being like, yeah, let's just like hand over some tech and like start working with the you know the CIA. Like they right. they haven't tried to fuck with us, and, the, and like because a lot of the imagery, like showing World War Two, like showing uh, the slave trade, like at that point you're invoking parts of real world history, right. which like and you know you're gonna play with, you're gonna throw away different. It just seems like that was one of those moments where if the movie had just like poked at it a little bit, I think it would have been enough to be like. Hey, look! Like we're stuck in this little bo- in this box to a certain extent. Um, um, I'm not sure the movie had to give him like a redemption arc either. No, no. Towards the end, I think that could have been Cut. left on the cutting room floor. Um, and even like to like to touch on the, the ending stuff from from earlier. I actually think like like you know we can easily criticize you know the Bill Gates Foundation opening of a, a coding center in Oakland. Uh, but it, I think it makes a lot of sense for T'Challa as a as a character. As a character like, I, think yeah. I think it's very. I think it's fr- like the politics of it are frustrating relative to the sort of uh, far more uh, progressive um, radical politics that are introduced by Killmonger. But I think like 
for T'Challa, like he represents in some form, like a form of like incrementalism and and, and uh, 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 that that makes sense for his character. And I wonder and hope that you know whether Ryan Coogler is associated with the you know the movies going beyond this. That I I would hope maybe. Well, one, I wish in that ending with the opening of like a the equivalent of a coding center, if they'd even just poked fun at yeah. that a little, you know, like if like Shuri had like made a joke about like, well, this is kind of like bullshit, like we're going to do more than this, right? Like if right. there had just been yes. like yes. an acknowledgement that the I like, hey, you're doing the right thing, yes. but also like, hmm, is this really know, like, enough? And, yeah, and I think that would have been a way of addressing like if Killmonger like. uh, uh had to die because that like was the whatever, you know Kugler felt that was a fitting thing for his character it was its own form of victory for that the character whatever whatever like the there should have been some way of like keeping the the spirit of Killmonger's like ideology like kind of like in the background there and I wonder if the future of the movies uh, hopefully that I would hope what I want from the character is like the radicalization of Black Panther like I wonder if that like you know picks up Infinity War with like and Thanos and Kaluuya's rise, yes. yeah. yeah, yeah, and so who knows from there what what, what happens what happens with Kaluuya. Um, the the thing like, I I just want to hit this one more time because I want to make sure because I can imagine the forum posts already from people who were like who are like hey why is this a bad thing or why is Killmonger dying a bad thing everyone involved thought that was the right decision like the notion of imagining a black utopia. What's so powerful about it is that, and this is true for, for a lot of Afrofuturism and not just this film, but what's so powerful about it is that it is done in the face of pragmatism and a pragmatism that you've been forced to live with your entire life. That pragmatism is what tells you that de- dying a free man is better than living a slave. That's not a dream. That's not victory. Dying as a black man is a thing that, that should be just as as uh, terrible just as uh uh fruitless um as as living as a slave those two things are not should not be relegated when we are dreaming of utopia to being one better than the other both of those should be gone uh and it is fine for i'm happy i'm fine that killmonger loses in, in the end i understand what this is i don't expect the version of this where like we get we get like <laughs> radical wakanda now and like everyone is like subscribe to my fucking newsletter you know what i mean like i get it but also it's frustrating that it couldn't have dreamt something better um and and i kind of push back on the notion that death is victory because it's release certainly and it's not a life of of ongoing failure but it doesn't it doesn't change the world and and victory for for when we're imagining these sorts of utopian visions should be about changing the world in some way and so i just wish maybe he would have left maybe he would have been i wish he would have been there in spirit afterwards in that conversation where shuri in our imagined version of this ending where shuri goes like this isn't it is it and then like we pan back over and it's like like the eric killmonger (laughs) center for some other shit that is not just teaching you some stuff like maybe it is about income redistribution wakanda is super rich you know maybe it is like a a, a big housing community that's actually going to give people new homes in the community like things like that that are actually about spreading wealth that are actually about lifting people out of their their circumstances directly instead of this this uh, idea of meritocracy which is which is so fascinating about killmonger because he is presented as like he had nothing and then he became king he fought until he was king he did pull himself up by his bootstraps, yet at the same time doesn't believe that that should be true for the rest of the world who is oppressed. And that's why I think that character works so well and why I wanted a, a, something... 
I, I'm I'm fine with the ending. I just can't I can't swallow it as a victory for him. Um, I'm glad I'm getting this off my chest. It's good. I've been sitting on this for, for weeks. <laughs> so maybe he can appear like in the spirit world. Yeah, or something, you know I mean, what yeah, I mean. Like he there, was a Black Panther. Options, That's true. You know, like, That's true. We'll like, get so that. I'm, You're I'm, right. I'm hoping maybe they're like you know it's a comic movie. There. Yes. Of and, and Black Panther's like mythology like opens the door for. Uh, I don't know, maybe, Shuri, like, can you put a spirit in, like, a computer, a computer? chip so, so, so Killmonger could yell at T'Challa? Oh, that'd be really you know, good. Like, probably. <laughs> the answer is probably. Also, all the tech in this movie is so fucking good. Like, yes. there's yeah. a moment in the first 20 they minutes. they guide the ships with the sand? I mean, that's like, incredibly good. Yeah, and they don't explain it. They don't explain so it. They just let the technology speak for itself, which is, like, a really, a lot of movies that have future tech. Like, always want to explain, like, yo, here's how this shit works. Yeah. Oh, it's like, nano ah, sand. Like, no, shut up. <laughs> I, the, the shot of just, like, they have, like, a GPS that's tracking these trucks in this convoy, and it's all made up of this black yes. sand. And there's the shot of T'Challa picking one of the Jeeps up and, like, looking at it and then placing it back down in formation. And it's, like, animated. So good. Like, just, like, chills on the design mm-hmm. of that stuff. Um, and then all of Shuri's uh, equipment in, in her lab. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also the the costuming, right? Like the sequence. Oh my god! W- the sequence yeah. when um is that? I guess is that Shuri and Nakia, or is that Shuri and Okoye uh, who come out where Shuri has like the panther gauntlets, and then oh, I yeah, that's Okoye. That's Nakia, yeah. right? Shuri and and oh, is it, mm, you both said different things? No, Okoye stays uh, out and fights. And oh, Nakia... she's fighting against oh, right, Mbaku, right. She's on who the is field. her lover. She's on the field, right? That's yes, right. Yes, yes. Yeah. But like all Sorry. of their gear is so sweet. Like it's just so good. Um, it's actually so good that I was kind of bummed by the CG in the the panther fight at the yep. end a little bit. Oh, it's like uh, oh, because... it's a Marvel movie now. Yeah, because the prop fighting <laughs> with Killmonger, Shuri, and and uh, Okoye was so good. Well, and also great those scenes, the the sort of uh, you know hand to hand combat scenes like in the water were just incredible. Both of those scenes were absolutely incredible. Which was the way? Which ones were in the both, water? Both of the sort of like the king's moot. I'm not sure exactly what you would call it, but the like king's moot. You know. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> The, the king contention scenes, both of them yes. are utterly incredible. Like, the best fight scenes that you'll see in this type of movie. Uh, because yeah. they're and not you, CG uh, and bullshit. You know, it's like... If you haven't seen Creed, because um, um, oh, okay. the fight scenes are far better in Creed than they are in Black Panther. Oh, like, yes. I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's, like, a... Just... Like... The final, the, the final fighting sequence in Creed, like, the single shot, like, a boxing sequence with Michael B. Jordan is, is one of, like, the coolest fighting. Like, I'm not surprised oh, yeah. that Black Panthers are, like, a cut above the rest, but uh-huh. if you thought, if you thought the one-on-ones in Black Panther were good, like, go back and watch Creed, because they are, like, on, one, there's no green screen, and it's like, I could see right. the green screen watching those scenes, and it's like, yeah. I was able, right. like, the, I was, the fighting was good enough that, like, I was sometimes able to not see it, but, like, I wish I could, like, get like a filter for my it's one of, one of those things where like one i've se- just seen enough movies where like i can spot bad or mediocre green screening and i could see it in those scenes and yeah. it was just like oh the fighting is so good but like i can tell that that's a yeah a i mean all of this behind you yeah all of this is grading on a marvel curve like i i obviously like watch <laughs> fighting all day every day and train and fighting all the time so like nothing is ever actually realistic but like for for right. a marvel movie this was like very sure, yeah no, it actually kind of yeah. got that actual spirit of, of how intense it can be to fight a person so it was that was rad i i wanted to bring up also uh while we're talking about um sort of i, I guess we've gotten away with it a little bit but i really wanted to talk about the museum scene in particular and sort mm, of the, yes. the implication of, of sort of the white academia and what it has sort of done to black folks and and sort mm-hmm. of generally how it uh, 
how Eric is treated when he kind of first walks into that museum <laughs> yeah. is I, I one of the most of subtly scenes. illustrative so points in that entire movie. And, and God, it's, it's really good. It's a really great scene. What's that one line he likes when, like when he grabs the, uh, the mask and, and, and does he, he say he's something like, like, I just like uh, it or something like that? Just, or no, no, no. It's it like, something like where he's like, oh, well, your people would have just taken it. Something like, oh, yep. there, yeah, 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 you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're just, there were a bunch of good, he had a lot of great lines. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, that that sequence is so good, uh, partially just because, again, Michael B. Jordan's swagger is just off the charts. Just like, yeah. oh, I want to watch this dude do anything is like the the second he's on screen for me. Um, he's also just like his his he just looks so good. His outfit is just so, so much confidence. Good. Like he yes. it just oozes yeah. like a like yeah like there's this, the moment he comes on screen, it's like you feel it, like in a, on a on a physical yes. level. Like I think I mentioned this in our our Discord chat that um, when uh, uh, there's a uh, the scene where <laughs> Michael B. Jordan takes off uh, his shirt during the one on one later in the film, there was an audible fucking gasp. <laughs> oh yeah, he's an attractive room. man. Let me tell you, I I, I I looked I looked over to my wife and the, her eyes were bugging. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> she's like, and she goes, yeah. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> do, do you blame me? And I was like, nah, no, no, no. But so, like, one of the things I like about this is is a lot of the the terms we're talking about here when we're describing Mbuku and Boku when we're describing Killmonger. If these characters were the only black characters in these films, and we were saying, oh, they have such an imposing presence, they're so big, and they're big. Right, like right. Mboku is is that boy big <laughs> as hell? Vincent Duke is big. Big boy um, season it, has come to black. Oh Panther. my god, has it? But it also, but also. Chadwick Boseman's T'Challa is lithe and is athletic, and is and is also like also um, ripped, like also ripped. Sure. They're all ripped because yeah. they're all also superheroes. he's like forty two or something. Oh my god, oh my god. is he? He is old. Like, Holy he, he, shit! He, when I saw him in the movie, I, I, I was like, oh, you, you know, he's like thirty three, you know, yeah. something like that. Nah, I didn't know he like, was that old. Chadwick Boseman's old. Shit. Yeah, I makes, kind of like you, that. I'm kind you of okay with your that. Life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, but because there is a variety of blackness on on play here, this is true for the women too, right? Like Angela, yeah. ranging in age from from Angela Bassett, who who plays T'Challa's mother, um, through all of the supporting cast, who are all the the various other uh, important women in Wakanda. Like there, there's a variety of what blackness looks like and sounds like and moves like, uh, and that that opens up the field in a way, so that when you have characters as imposing and physical as Michael B. Jordan. These are terms that traditionally, when I would read a review, they're like, and Michael B. Jordan was so physically imposing. I'd be like, oh, you <laughs> right. motherfucker, you mm, like dig in just a little bit to what you're saying. But here, there's there's the breadth in the room that that allows you to have those depictions and to have them without the 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 kind of weak connotation that's normally attached to them. Um, I will say in that museum scene, there's a bit where he goes like he goes like, "You got to watch what you put in your body, girl." And I was like, because because <laughs> she she he had fed her poison or whatever in her tea, um, and I was like, "Oh no, is he going to become like a super hotep, like Twitter all black men are kings type dude?" <laughs> uh, because that sounded so much like some shit you would see in hotep. Twitter. Twitter. And if you don't know what Hotep Twitter is, just go to Wikipedia. Just do some searching. It's fine. Just 
just know that we were all kings once and that and that you know we got to be better than this and that man's place is officially on the throne you know uh and that's where i thought killmonger was going and it wasn't thankfully he went a much more radical place um but i I guess here's a question danielle during our last movie based waypoint 101 we talked a lot about the gender politics of blade runner 2049 and i'm curious here because i I think i've said over and over oh the women were all so interesting and so strong and i love them in this but i'm curious about your take on this as someone who had strong feelings about the the gender politics of Blade Runner. Um, what did you feel about about these characters and, and their position in Wakanda specifically? For the most part, I was really, really pleased. Uh, it, there, there was a couple of scenes that I was kind of like, mm, why, yeah. why couldn't she be queen? You know that yep. that one scene where Nakia uh, sort of refuses to drink the uh, the what, is it the I forget exactly what it's called, it's the, but it's the, the whatever from the flower yeah, that the Black Panther power flower. comes from. Yeah, it was kind of yeah. like that would have been really fucking cool if she were, you know, actually sort of took the throne a little bit. I understand she's a spy. I get it. I know. I know all the reasons. It's just, you know, personally, I wouldn't have minded because there is a lot of sort of traditional like, you know, patriarchal roles here. Of course, there are mm-hmm. kings there. And of course, women can still be queen. But it, it is it, it does seem to be like that, like the actual royalty structure is pretty traditional. However, right. I was really thrilled uh that okaya okaya her name right oh i think that that's right okay okay so i had a list up a second ago for pronunciation okoya Okoya? i I just want to pronounce it right so i don't sound like an idiot um i love that she was a general okoye okoye Okoye. ends up on the op yeah gotcha gotcha okoye she was a fucking badass general and not in a shitty fascist way in an actual like i have honor like i care so much about how i serve and how i carry myself Uh, that was incredible and i love the fact that she had a, a scene with nakia who is you know a spy that in any other movie, or it feels like any other movie, any other sort of traditional action movie, you know, the conflict between the spy and the soldier would have been two fucking dudes just being like, uh-huh. oh, do you don't have honor? No, I serve my country in a different way. You know, like that yeah. scene, the fact that that scene is between two black women who both have so much merit to their approach, both have so much honor to their name, like was incredible and beautiful and like really, really moving in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And also the fact that like, a lot of the comic relief also kind of fell to a, a woman character, which is also beautiful. Usually right. that's like the quirky dude. No, in this in this movie, it was a quirky young lady who was yeah. awesome. Shuri was hilarious. Shuri's so good. Hilarious. Yeah. And she was like pissed off that she had to wear the corset for a while. That was funny. Uh-huh. Like yeah. she she keeps stealing the scenes and being funny and being smart in the in the role that would always be like the quirky nerdy guy kind of thing. So right. I really liked uh, that aspect that like women were absolutely present in these very like powerful roles and not kind of trapped in the usual like, oh, she has three lines. Yeah, you know, maybe totally. Angela Bassett a little bit uh, was kind of, you know, she, Under, she certainly underutilized had a little bit underutilized. She certainly had like a, a great deal of dignity and a great deal of like, you know, respect and honor. But yeah, I don't know if she was fully you know, maybe she could have uh, been a little bit more friends. Or maybe if you kicked out, uh, what's his face, the, the scrawny white dude. You know, I'm uh, just saying. Supposedly original yeah. cut of this movie is four hours long. Put out the four hour version. Well, Please put them out. do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like her, that's what her releasing her release the, the P you know. tape also. <laughs> just while we're oh, talking shit. about things we want to see released, oh, please shit. release the P tape. <laughs> Black Panther, I need you to go to Russia. You have a special mission, T'Challa. Go get Black Widow. Uh huh. Figure it out. Figure yep. it out. Yep. I She'll believe help. in you. She'll help. Yep. <laughs> God. 
<sighs> so yeah, I think I think that, that's pretty much what I have. I guess one more little quick call out that I loved was we we talked a little bit about about how the the what was the name of the the mountain tribe that Mbaku is the head of Jabari. again? Oh, Jabari. The Jabari. Yeah. I love not just the Jabari, but the way that each of the different tribes that make up the Wakandan kind of council all have different fashion, all have a, a different. There's a sense of history and and um, a sense of of. Uh, difference that doesn't flatten out that doesn't flatten out to a sort of like oh we're all from africa it is a sort of pan-african vision of of culture um that suggests that that kind of speaks to that mythology the kind of history of of wakanda as being like oh this this thing happened the vibranium came and then these great tribes were kind of united minus the jabari and I, i i appreciated that at least you know like i i it's going to be weird because it's always going to be a comic book version of tribal Africa, which means there's always going to be moments where you're like, hmm. But I think that it ended up being a really cool presentation of some some kind of like fashion and uh, kind of historical tradition and stuff like that that came together. I only wish we got a little bit more ground level Wakanda. What's it like to live in Wakanda? Is there a is there a, yeah. a, a parliament? Is there any sort of representational government? Or are we kind of just left to hope that whoever has the Black Panther juice in them right now is like good um i want to know more about that stuff and and hopefully a sequel or or some other some other stuff kind of digs in there a little bit um but other than that i think i think i've said my piece here anyone else have any kind of final thoughts so i got i i have a question or it's something i really like about the movie but then also left me wondering about something sure okay so one of the things i love in this movie is that the way it is structured we see the ascent of two different kings going through the same rituals. Uh, the first time we go through it, it is T'Challa's uh, ascension to the throne, and the rituals are all positive and beautiful and affirming. Um, so, like you know, him stepping out of uh, you know his flagship basically into the uh, into the ceremonial ring, I guess, in the waterfalls uh, with all the tribal leaders gathered. Uh, you right, know, the, the king moot. The king moot. Yeah, the king, the king moot. It's a great moment. Yeah. It's 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 affirming. It's beautiful. It's cool as hell. Uh, when he goes through the um, more mystical part of the ritual, where he is uh, given the Black Panther juice, I guess, yeah. uh, and goes to the place of the ancestors and converses with his father in this like idyllic and eerily beautiful like african plane um it's really cool seeing him go through all this we see killmonger go through it later in the film and all the rituals where they were reassuring and affirming and beautiful before have become upsetting or othering and not just and not just in terms of holy shit like the guy who killed t'challa is now taking over the country but even killmonger uh, feels alienated by the rituals as he goes through them. Uh, when he goes through the mystical, when he goes through the ritual and converses with his father, he doesn't go to the African plane. He goes back to that apartment in Oakland, right, and has a conversation with uh, with his father. It's a great scene, and I like that they don't present the apartment as some sort of hellish landscape. It's just right. that's home to him. Right. But the plane is visible beyond the win- through those windows, right? It's it's mm-hmm. it's elsewhere and sort of out of reach. It's not it's not for him. For him, there's that apartment and memories of his father uh, who was killed. 
And on the one hand, I kind of loved that it sort of drew this line between the experiences and and how context and experience change the meaning of these things uh, from when T'Challa goes through them versus when uh, when Eric Killmonger goes through them. On the other hand, I was left with a reservation that it kind of felt like what it was presenting where T'Challa's sort of, uh, you know, sent to kingship, kingship, his expressions of traditional man, uh, manhood in his culture uh, were positive and affirming. Um, Killmongers are basically defined by, by absence, uh, by right. loss. And there's kind of this implication that somehow inherently because of his experiences, like Killmonger's in some ways a mutilated spirit mm-hmm. uh, and sort of divorced from these rituals. He can't connect with them. Uh, but then it's not really shown that he has anything to connect to, which is why he like he can connect to his father, but even that memory is sort of poisoned by, by loss. Um, and I just, I kind of came away ambivalent. Like, I think structurally it's beautiful. I think the way it's portrayed is right. beautiful. I'm wondering I, I, about the implication. I mean, I think the implication is partially to shake that ritual a little bit, which then gets shaken further when T'Challa goes through it again, right? And and realizes like, oh yeah, this is this place is is real, and my father is here, but my father is a faulty man. To be here is not in and of itself uh, does not mean that you were a perfect individual. This is not a heaven of of perfection. This is not a place where like. Uh, everything, if it if it feels that way to begin with, I think it's largely because T'Challa believes it will be, and because he hasn't begun asking those questions yet. And I I, I, I pretty much line up with you in the terms of like the Eric version of it being about loss and also about distance. He could never be there because that connection was ripped from him uh, in the way that it was ripped from all you know the everyone is who was part of the diaspora. You know, I don't know, I don't know what tribe. I was once part of that, that I've descended from. You trace the records back, they don't go that far. Um, it will always be a, a purple light coming through the window. Um, it can never be feet on the ground. Um, and I think that's pretty appropriate for Eric. Um, and I think that it's... What I still think works is that I still think that that scene has a warmth to it. Yes. There's a smile when his father sees him with the book. And you almost expect it to be a... You expect chiding. You expect, don't go through my things. And instead, he, he like, rewards his son's curiosity. Um, and so there is warmth where we can find it. And, and the fact that that is what the heart of Eric's kind of relationship with his father is the heart of his of his struggle like he does want there to be a world where there can be happiness he just doesn't have it and he doesn't think that the way you get it is through this sort of like soft push towards towards equality and in fact thinks it's too late for and why him. and why does he have to wait 30 years yes. for it to happen yes right. exactly or 50 years yes. or for his children or for his children's children's, children's why children why can't it happen to him right especially when the rest of the world is doing the things already that that he that he would be chided for doing you know um like that's the thing that's i think is so interesting here and part of why i wish they engage with the cia stuff so much right like well, and like because uh Killmonger is essentially like a product of wakanda and the united states foreign yep. policy yep. like his 100%. body is a reflection of the united states interventionist uh uh, uh t- you know meddling in elections t- toppling over exactly. um other governments he's like, not doing it, a unique it, it thing is of, it is one of those things where when i when i did say that the movie doesn't talk about uh like the cia's role in history like I guess, like, 
Killmonger's yeah. body speaks to that. Yeah. But uh, I wish it was like the movie makes its choices about what it's what it chooses to be vocal about and what it chooses to imbue through imagery or illusion or metaphor. And like there is a very powerful visual metaphor of of, of awful interventionist uh uh, United States foreign policy over decades on Killmonger's body. I guess I I, I wish to like re- revise what I said. Before. I wish that they had said it. Well, I yeah. wish that in, was something that was like said out loud a little more. Articulate. I think I, in this movie's defense, like the Asian guy does explicitly call it out he, when when they're trying to figure out what Killmonger is up to. He sort of admits uh, in kind of a weirdly chirpy. That, that's just the way the characters portrayed. <laughs> that's that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah, the yeah. fucking <laughs> chirpy. Apple polishing know it all. Uh, he's like, well, actually, I know what's going on. He's going through our CIA playbook for destabilization. And fit it, like, yeah, and right. what do you know? Like, within 48 hours of Killmonger showing up, <laughs> there's a civil war in an African country. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Absolutely. God. That's true. That's true. That's totally true. So, yeah, uh, that's oh. in there. Nice, nice catch. <laughs> so, side note about uh, uh, Muggleby Jordan's body and the bumps on it. Uh, I was reading some behind the scenes stuff about, like, the costuming on the movie and apparently for every scene that he had to shoot where he had to show uh those bumps on his body he then had to be wiped down by four men with oils for three hours in order oh, to get hey. it off of his body oh my god <laughs> so oh. there's there's a visual for listen, you listen there's a great King- job those four guys <laughs> best job on the whole movie <laughs> it, being the being the king comes with privilege you know <laughs> you know you know i'm just saying shit um all right i think that should do it for us today uh thank you so much for for listening um i'm i'm glad this movie turned out good i was very worried about it uh honestly like it was one of those things that for years had kind of hung over me as like don't fuck this up but also it's unfair that i say that because i don't say that about dr strange i don't and it fucked it up i don't say that about a lot of of marvel films because i'm just not that invested um and it's like that double bind right of like oh i really want this thing that represents something i'm close with to to do well and to actually succeed at what it what it's attend- intending but also it's unfair to put that all on a single filmmaker on on a cast and crew that i wouldn't put on other things but so, here's the pragmatism right like there it is again neither of those choices is particularly great but i'm yeah. glad it worked out i'm glad that this was a, a, a great thing I'm glad this Black is Panther made. being good hopefully Sorry. allows other movies yes. to be bad, right? Like that's yep. that's like I think part of what you're articulating there is like like if Black Panther was mediocre, like underperformed financial projections, yep. we would um, not be getting another Black Panther. We would be you don't get like Black Panther or or you you don't, you don't get the maybe you get another Black Panther, but you don't get the ripple effect right. of Black Panther. Right. And like Black Panther being good and financially successful allows other movies yep. to be bad and fail because we don't we don't chide. Like white filmmakers or, or white comic characters for like fucking up like what they represent when there's a bad. It's yeah. just a bad movie. It's Give just us- a bad script. It was a bad character, and it's like like that's part of the like the weight of Black Panther was by by elevating it itself it elevates everyone else and just creates. Like I, I'm excited to see what five years. Give me the storm like movie. I want here. the storm movie. Yes, stop please. saying you can't do the storm movie. You can do it. I believe in you. God. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you have other questions, you can send them to gamingadvice.com, and there will probably be a really great conversation about the film. I think there actually is already a pretty great conversation yeah. about the film on the forums, but uh, there will probably be another one under in this forum thread, so you can go to discourse.zone to check that out, or forum.waypoint.vice.com. Uh, where can people find you, Danielle? At Danielle R.I. What about you, Patrick? 
Put Shuri in the next Spider-Man movie. I yes. want to see her hang oh out with Tom Holland. Oh I think that would be God. dope. Instead of Spider-Man, hear okay. me out. Instead of ever <laughs> making another Spider-Man again, just make her the star uh-huh. of all those movies. How about that? Sure, she can become Spider-Gwen. Like they're not going to make her. Make... Shuri becomes Black Panther in the comics eventually, but like that's too soon for that. So she can go become Spider-Gwen. That's uh-huh. Yeah, that's I mean. cool. <laughs> uh, what about you, Rob Zachney? At Rob Zachney. And you find me at Austin underscore Walker. You can find uh, uh, Waypoint on Twitter at twitter.com slash Waypoint, facebook.com slash Waypoint Vice, youtube.com slash Waypoint Vice, and twitch.tv slash Waypoint. Find all of our articles, waypoint.vice.com. Got a lot going on this week. Uh, Into the Breach review just went up today, so go listen to that. Uh, or watch that or read that. Read is the verb I wanted. Read. Uh, and we're, <laughs> on Friday, we're going to have some, some Far Cry 5 preview stuff coming out. Uh, interview with uh, creative director Dan Hay, um, as well as with a consultant on the project who, who kind of consulted on their use of cults. Um, we also will have a, a short video about a very goofy thing that happened to me while playing. <laughs> and then I think we're going to do a stream where we look at about an hour of footage and kind of talk through what the preview event was like and, and some of the stuff that, that I saw. So look forward to that. Uh, that'll be exciting to, to, to do. Uh, until then, Danielle, let, let, take be us good out. And be good at it. Wakanda no, forever. I'm just feeling it. <laughs> nah, I'm just feeling it. Yes, good, good. <laughs> God, he's so good. All right, fine. He's amazing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.